the New Liars Club. Hello, and welcome to the Southcast on Sunday, October the 30th, 2022. I'm your host, Dan Train. Joining me today, Zachary Burgess. 50% spooky. And Robert Kemp. I've got much less spook. <laughs> like the day before Halloween, I guess. So you got half spooky. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what, is what that is how it? it the bell curve ramps up? Yeah, exactly. It's got to about fifty percent before, fifty percent after, hundred percent on the day. <laughs> the charge time. You're pulling down the trigger, expecting a a spook burst. Well, I, as I was walking down here, I was reminded that it's been an entire year of, of podcasting because I was like, oh yeah, desultory pumpkins. <laughs> I said that last year on the podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So is it? It's not even the same house, though. Different house, with different design pumpkins. <laughs> I don't. Well, no, we'd have done. We'd have been here last year. Yes. Evidently. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been in your house? Like eighteen months now. Yeah, eighteen months. Not quite yeah. two years. A second bout of spooky for your house. Never. No, not out here. Not not letting the spook in. Yeah, also not <laughs> also not out here. Not enough children in around these parts. <laughs> Do you not get trick or treaters then? Who well, the would bother to walk all the way down here? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's quite That's an effort. Well out of the way. It's quite an effort. And actually, I just don't think there's much in the way of well, like, no, that not age, something that, that happens. Age, that age group of kids around here, you know. Well, oh, I suppose. Interesting. Not in, not in this particular patch. Well, no, obviously not exactly here. <laughs> We are low-density children. <laughs> I did see one specific door I walked past on the way down that had, like, specific, like, trick-or-treat signs on it. I was like, mm. okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's at least one house that you can go to. There's one house, like, you know, you know um, the route, the, well, Bromford Road out of Ipswich? There's one house, like, as you start getting towards towards Bromford, they basically just put sheets over all their trees and that shrubbery out the front, so... Oh, cool. I mean, not really. It's just it's just a massive white sheet. It's like oh, literally like bed sheets. Yeah, it's like okay. I mean, Nome originally said she thought they were like doing some painting, yeah. and just protecting the plants Keeping somehow the outside the house. <laughs> right? Maybe they were. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Like, what, was what, it, uh, what would you do to to make that spooky? I mean, the white sheet is like a ghost thing, but that doesn't. I mean, work I guess it looks like snow, though. That's the trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Early Christmas decorations. You have to attach yeah. like some webby stuff and like, or like spray paint a spider's web no, on it, or... or just chuck some big old spiders on top of it that makes it look kind of like a web from a distance. Yeah, I guess. Mm. But just a plain sheets on a tree isn't spooky. In the middle, of... no, it's just a sheet on a tree. It's like it's doing your washing. <laughs> there was on Needham High Street, like on the gates of that. There's there's a bit where they built some new houses, like right on the high street, sort of sort of in the middle. And they they they've attached like a sort of skeleton thing to it, but it's not like a skeleton. It's like like it looks like a plush, but with like a skeleton drawn on it or something. But they've put it in such like a casual pose where it's just sort of lying there on the top of this place. It's like hello, <laughs> and it's just like hmm, like that, that's a that's a new vibe. <laughs> I don't think it's Halloween camp, but in that way, you know what I mean? Sort of like, why hello? Well, I suppose if you're talking <laughs> about like be. the concept of monsters 
as like the, the classic camp film monsters is sort of Halloween-ish. Yeah. yeah. That's how you always interpret mm. Halloween monsters, right? That's true. I suppose there's always Rocky Horror as well. Yes, that's certainly camping that way. I, I kind of prefer not to think about Rocky Horror. <laughs> <laughs> yes, not very spooky. Like, I, th- I think that I've only experienced two games with Halloweeny things in them. This is a podcast about video games, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and one of which is the well, well I won't year, spoil yeah this year I've only, only been in one Halloween event and that was a uh, derg so you haven't no one's played through Costume cool. Quest again <laughs> I mean that's not true we also, had, we also had Halloween you played Rocket League didn't you oh yeah I guess I did play Rocket League that barely League. counts but it, what, it does have a current Halloween event happening yeah I, I, to the point where I totally forgot about it yep <laughs> was it Spooky Cube they call it yeah Instead of a ball, it's a it's a cubic pumpkin for some reason. Why did it have to be a cubic pumpkin? I guess just to make the belt stupid. But. Oh yes, just because they wanted to use their modifiers that they've always had and only ever used for events. They could have made it just not a not a cube. They could have just made it round but behave like the cube just to make it spooky. That'd be too confusing. I mean, it's pretty confusing anyway. <laughs> yeah, but at least when you can see it's a cube, you know what it, that it's going to be weird. <laughs> Surely, like one of their like was it is it the the rickish no the heat seeker game modes would have been a better fit for like Halloween because then it could make the make the ball all spooky as it flew through the air and curved weirdly and yeah possibly it's better than the was it the Batman Rumble that they sometimes do <laughs> what's that? that well it's like the Rumble game mode but they'd like lace it with a a few, not many, like Batman themed changes. I can't even remember what they are. Like a couple, like isn't one of the power ups like one of the power ups different or something? Oh, okay, that's not much change. No, and it's not even is Batman like a Halloween thing? I guess so. Bats. Could be. It's not really spooky. Bats, I guess. Bats are spooky. Ooh. Seen any costumes in Needham? No. Well, that will be tomorrow if no. that's going to happen at all. Well, I don't know. Some people well, I suppose it's no. the weekend, right? Like, you have to do it yeah. today. Yeah, I've definitely seen people on my uh, face bum <coughs> and various feeds having already been to Halloween parties for convenience sake. Who goes to a Monday night party, honestly? if you can get away with it <laughs> well yes if you're not working Tuesday yeah. I suppose the eyeballs don't make you vomit whatever candied eyeballs someone makes <laughs> well are they just like peeled grapes right or... I have no idea I suppose it could be anything right they could be like marsh- spherical marshmallows yeah <laughs> I guess it could be grapes, but you'd have to make them. You'd have to coat them in something to make them white, I suppose. Yeah, how do you make them? You, I can, guess that's just that's for the just the touch and feel, right? Of like, uh, you can't look at them. You no, have to be blindfolded yeah. for the that thing for the peeled grapes. You chocolate or, or coat not blindfolded. I think you probably could. 
Which would probably be harder to chop a coat of peeled grape. Mm. Yeah, unpeeled grape. You probably won't very if you're going to coat it in something. You peel grapes? Yeah. Well, if you want them to look more like an eyeball, yeah. Huh. It's quite difficult to do. I've never even thought of peeling a grape. I didn't think it was a thing. Really? Have you never tried that just with a, when, when eating grapes, try, attempting to peel one? No, I just eat it. Just, just you know, rip it, off the, rip it off the wood bit and stick it in my face. <laughs> I know, I know. It take, it's really annoying and, takes, and it's pointless and takes ages. So if you, <laughs> could be, if you ever could be bothered, give it a try. That sounds like a, uh, a forfeit challenge, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> you must now peel a grape. Here, this this peanut. Try try and peel it somehow. Out of its shell, obviously. Peel it more. Well, I don't know enough about peanuts to know about that because I have to <laughs> stay away from them. Some nuts that have like a flaky bit on them. Well, peanuts yeah. do as well, right? They have they sometimes have that brown skin on the actual uh, I peanut guess. part. Yeah, <coughs> pistachios might have a sort of second skin as well. The green mm. bit, I guess. Get some nuts. <laughs> okay, Mister T says, "Get some nuts." Right. Uh, what else is going? Got any house grouse? Uh. I think my house is in working order. <laughs> I don't think I've got anything going wrong. No, no kitchen bitching? No kettle metal? <laughs> Not yet. My but kettle started beeping at me, but, but it seems to have stopped. I'm not sure if it had a setting that had the beep, but it's, it's, now, it's now stopped doing it. So. <laughs> is it like getting angry that you haven't cleaned it? It was just beeping when I put it back on. It was the temperature controlled one. It was just beeping when I put it back on the on the back on the stand that gives it the power. Mm. And I don't know why, because it never used to. And it, now it's uh, it started doing it, and now it stopped. <laughs> weird. Is it, yeah, weird. What if it's like the, the stand you have put me on is too damp? Lift me off. Yeah, I suppose it could be, but it's funny that I've used this for years and never had that, never had it be before. That's kitchen beeping. That's what kitchen that is. <laughs> yeah, it's not really bitching. It's fine. <laughs> I've uh, got some like I tried to actually finally sort out my doctor's surgery. Oh, there's a siren in the background as well tight yeah I tried to I tried tried to finally move my doctor surgery to need a market surgery from what you know because I live here yeah. <laughs> you know right I thought I'd, thought I'd better move only it. for a year and a half I thought, yeah <laughs> I, thought, I thought I'd better move it somewhere nearby rather than it still be in Ipswich and, right uh, yeah uh, I didn't know that, I didn't know it was a thing that that they could basically say, no, we're not taking patients at an NHS oh. doctor's studio, even if you're local. Like, I didn't realise right. that was a thing. That's quite, I don't know, I found that quite annoying. Yeah. It's just like, what? So if I actually had a reason to go see the doctor, I'd have to traipse my ass all the way back to Ipswich, would I? To Ipswich, I guess so. 
And even then, couldn't the Ipswich ones then sort of turn around and say, hey, hey by the way, you're not supposed to be here. Well, I don't think it's a matter of you're supposed to be there. I think yeah. it's if, you've, if you're registered there, you're registered there. Like, mm. if, you just, yeah. if you lived on the other side of the country and you came all the way over here just to go to the doctor, they'd probably be fine. Well, I think they did that to, they did that to Gnome once because she didn't change her doctors for ages when we lived in Ipswich, right? From where well, I'm sure they, they, and they're then, saying and then they went like, there and they were it like, would be better if you weren't. Yeah. It would be better if you were on your local one. I'm sure if you if you have a reason to not be on a local one, such as the local one being full, then yeah, I probably, they probably just have to put up with you. Fairness. Not that it's their problem, really. It's your inconvenience. Fairness, not that I want to knock NHS establishments in any way, but I haven't heard a single person say a good thing about the need of doctor surgery. <laughs> Like right. you, well, you never say anything about no, that. No, no, no. Yeah, and, you know, we talk sometimes. Sometimes, well, especially with Gnome having to go pick up a few things from there recently. Um, like, like it's come up a few times, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, those guys—they don't know what they're doing." <laughs> and you know, my dad's occasionally got some got some stuff he needs to get checked out, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's always a. Always get, a palaver. I get the feeling that your dad would bitch about things that other people wouldn't complain about. That's just a, that's just a reckon, feeling I get uh, from your dad in the, the experience of your dad. What that he would just what <laughs> things that a normal person wouldn't complain about, he would suddenly bring up. But like everything, everything that a normal person would complain about, goes, oh, it's fine. Yeah, maybe <laughs> he's just got a weird inverse inverse complainer. Well, you can't get bad service from the Needham doctors. Well, no, I can't so get service. They won't let you in. <laughs> like the thing, the thing with Gnome was, is like she went to, went to go get a prescription, and they'll be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, we'll, te- we'll text you when it's ready." They didn't, so she rang them and was like, "What's going on with the prescription?" Yeah, it's been ready for a few days. Like, what do you mean? It's been re- <laughs> you were going to text me? <laughs> like, I've got, I had this situation when I registered at my uh, doctor's where it's. Um, it's like because I live in the city, it's like a health center place, and there's actually two separate doctor surgeries in the same building, and with hmm. a shared waiting room. And it's it, it's it was literally like that, uh, like in Grim Fandango, where you go to the, the other desk and they're totally different <laughs> or whatever. Like the one side was rubbish, and then the other. I just said, "Fine, I'll go and register with the other side," and then they've been good. <laughs> it's weird. weird, yeah. How strange Pretty is weird. that? They literally have yeah reception desks facing each other across the waiting room <laughs> it's literally it's really weird it's like a like a dividing line halfway across this room where like the cleanliness suddenly changes like uh, i don't know the room seems fine but yeah i just yeah they, i'm sure it's clean it's, <laughs> it's a considerably grayer open. half of the room is how i'm imagining it because i didn't know which one to register with so i just picked at random and i apparently i picked wrong the first time <laughs> it was really hard to do and then and then i managed to register i just said sorry i'll go to the other side <laughs> and they were fine but they better like fathom out your local online system because they're all different as well like the yeah, Ipswich one different. is different to the needham one and i can't yeah. i tried looking at the need the website for the needham one and I had a hard time figuring out well how do i how would I? Yeah. Bo- how would I book an appointment here if I could? Yeah. Well, I think really that I talked about that before. Didn't I? It's like in order to even use the online system for the Needham one, you have to go there in person to register yes. and use the online system. That's right. Wait, yeah. really? <laughs> I've had that before. Yeah. Oh God. Where you have to do a paper form in order to sign up for online 
services. You know, you know what made this whole thing worse is I'd actually been through their online registration system and had filled in all the details and all that stuff, and then got an email back saying like we're not taking patients, and it's like, yeah, so, to which I replied like in a sort of snotty way, sort of being like, so I can't register where I live, and <laughs> and. and, and I literally did right because I was quite angry at that point, like having gone through this whole thing saying, saying, I feel a complaint coming on. <laughs> okay. Nice. And, uh, and of course that mailbox wasn't, wasn't monitored. No, <laughs> no, like, no reply mailbox. It's like, oh, yeah. God damn. <laughs> that, yeah, I can't get, there's no email address for my surgery or for my doctor individually or anything. There's just nothing. There's a fax, there's a fax number. <laughs> So I've needed doctors so little over the years that, like, when one of the mandatory questions on the registration form is, is like, so who 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 is your who is your doctor right now? Like, and I'm like, I don't yeah, know. Exactly. Yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> I just had to. I literally had to write unknown in this box because it's just like, I, yeah, I, I don't know. And I, I, and I especially don't know because also, as I think I mentioned before, my previous doctor retired. So it's like I right. literally oh, I know yeah. who he was, but I don't know any longer. <laughs> How do you know he retired? <laughs> because that that's the one bit of information that did get sent to me. Whereas, like your right. doctor has retired, it's like okay, I guess. You, you, I guess it's like just a warning: you'll have a replacement, but we don't know who. And yeah. then you never got a follow up. No. I don't know. We're getting, we're sort of getting to that age where like doctors <laughs> might be matter. useful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Potentially. Anywho. Why can't they just like, I know the NHS gets a, okay. The NHS has just a terrible rap for like online systems and rightly so, as it turns out yeah. now I'm sort of investigating that stuff, but wouldn't it just be cheaper actually to just build a single system that everyone uses? Uh-huh. I know. Rather I than know. all the trusts or local agencies have their own systems that are clearly broken and were built in yeah. the 90s and never managed. Yeah. I don't know. But those, I don't actually know like the history of it, but it seems like every time they do some kind of big IT project that it all falls apart. You know. Yeah, because it all gets regionalized somewhere along the line and then mm. can't be done. And then it gets ransomware, and everyone's like, "Well, lucky we didn't nationalize the whole thing." Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Well, well, that's only because, like, oh, this trust is running on Windows XP yeah. still for some reason. Morons. And it would be a cool thing to build, and like everyone involved would be really excited to well, make something that actually made people's lives better. And- sure, and uh, well, until you look at like how much the the COVID app supposedly cost to make, and then you're like, "Whoo, you got rinsed, boys!" <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that was a whole deal, wasn't it? Yeah, that wasn't one of those like cases where it was like someone's mate made the app, right? Like an MP's friend was recommended, like every other thing that happened around that time. Oh, was it one of those? I don't know, but that would explain why it was like because it was. It wasn't just millions, right? That that COVID app was supposedly cost billions or something ridiculous. Like it was really, kind of, yeah, it was some absurdly high amount of money. And I'm like, you know, and as a software dev myself, I'm sat here going, I I don't understand. I don't, I, I just don't get how that costs so much cash. Yeah, I can't remember what happened in the end because did they they went with an alternative solution, didn't they, to the the collaborative Google and Apple solution for pinging oh, you know, right. for, for tracking if 
you know, phones are in proximity or whatever. Yeah, well, it was their own system somehow. But they had to, yeah, or at least they started with their own system and then they, then then they went to Apple, Google, they switched hack or something. I can't remember. Yeah, presumably they would have needed help to do the yeah uh, the Bluetooth tagging or however that the abuse of the Bluetooth system that it, system, that it used. Yeah. That's clearly what cost all that money. They had to pay for literally everyone's data. Oh, yeah. <laughs> From all the all the companies that have collected it over the years. <laughs> but didn't they have a problem oh, it was where... secretly like an MI5 operation, you reckon? Now they have everything that Google has. I'm sure they already had that anyway. there a scandal that it was being stored, the data was being stored in like an Excel file and they ran out of rows that yes, Excel they did. could handle yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Nice. Classic. <laughs> it wouldn't even have been that hard to just build a database, like even well, like, obviously. like if it's yeah. like if what? Mm. Mm. Oh my god! Well, it's probably an export from a database that then overflowed Excel. Yeah, right? probably, then, probably, yeah. Because it was cheaper to hire someone, I guess, to do some data work <laughs> somewhere in the chain, and it's like, well, I know how Excel. Right, we'll get you, we'll get you that. Anyway, sorry, I managed to turn that into a bit of a rant. <laughs> it's all right. We just need a name for a kitchen bitchin style rhyming name for Doctor Doctor. <laughs> My well, it's a malady of some kind. But <laughs> I don't think you're going to be able to rhyme that very well. <laughs> Medical malady, but that's not really rhyming. <laughs> that's not. That's just literally the name of it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> moving on from medical malady. Is it time for the news? Oh, 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 could it be some physician derision? <laughs> yeah, there we go. Perfect. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> physician derision. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's going on with video games? What's going on with video games? <laughs> not, not a huge amount. No, it's, uh... it's, it's release time, kind of. Yeah, mm. games are coming out. That's, that stuff is happening. I mean, you've got your Overwatch 2s out now, and you've oh, got, yeah. your, got your Call of Duties. That, well, sort of, I guess. Modern Warfare 2's out, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, does that even count, really? I mean, what do you mean, does <laughs> it count? I think it is this year's card, isn't it? Well, I yeah. mean, it is, but like... What's the deal with that? Is it a remake, or is it all new levels? Or it's a... Better, like, it, story, or... It's kind of both. It's like halfway in between... It's like a so it's a full on remake as opposed to just a remaster, you know. Because like, they already yeah. did the remaster. <laughs> they, yeah, oh, they yeah. did. They did already do that. But then, like, yeah, Modern Warfare One was kind of a a ground up remake. Um, but they are changing parts of it. Is the thing like it's not? It's not? It's not the same storyline. It's not the same missions. It's not right. Because wasn't that was the one where Russia invaded the US? Right, seaboard. Right. Was that yes. Modern Warfare yes, I, 2? yes, I think it was. Okay. That would be a bit on the defend the Burger King. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it'd be great if they actually got the got the license to to defend a like a like a proper burger joint. And then what what was it originally? Uh, I don't think it was a brand. It was, oh, just, it was just a generic burger yeah. place <laughs> that was clearly a fast food restaurant of some kind. Yeah, <laughs> it's it like diner style rather than I suppose like more modern burger joint. Well, it wasn't. It sort of had that theming, but not quite. Yeah, it was yeah, just generic. Pastel-coloured burger place. Is that in the new game, though? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, not a clue. 
I mean, it has to be, right? That's an iconic burger joint. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. I- iconic in the sense that I can't remember any iconography about it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, if it, you, if it even had any. That's how something. How would you know it was a burger joint? Well, because it was that kind of building. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to have any branding on it to realise that it's that kind of restaurant. I guess. So yeah, that's out, and everyone's saying it's fine. I guess, right? It's one of the. It's another COD game. The uh, fatigue is there. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I feel like in this specific case, the fact that it's yet another remake, basically, like mm. they don't. They're, they're totally out of ideas now. They're not even trying to slightly make a new game. <laughs> Well, oh, I mean, slightly. Yeah, but. I mean, they literally slightly made a new game. <laughs> so that's all they've managed. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm actually moderately interested at some point, perhaps, to try the campaigns of the of Modern Warfare 1 and 2. Wait, was Modern Warfare 2 no Russian? Oh, yeah. Maybe. I think so. I think it was. I, I haven't heard it. redoing that. No, I haven't heard any that chatter would, about that this time around. That would definitely be in the news if that was. Yeah. If they've remade that. Well, it'd also be in yeah, the news had... if they didn't remake that, right? Because <laughs> that would be mm-hmm. the story. We had to remove that due to the current situation of the world. <laughs> yeah. Why haven't, we, why haven't we heard anything about that? Maybe that wasn't the game, but I, I kind of thought it was. And I thought so too. Yeah, interesting. I mean, there was some other like article on Kotaku about like uh, supposedly you can now there's a, there's a scene where you're pointing guns at civilians in order to quote unquote de-escalate assist escalate escalate assist the oh why can't I say that <laughs> uh, de-escalate the situation and it's like well, that's the exact opposite of what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, that's not de-escalating, is it? I think it's to stop people from like st- like there's there's like clips of like people coming out of their houses i guess and like and of course if you just point a gun at them they go oh go in the house because <laughs> it's easy i guess oh okay mm-hmm. but yeah any any scene where it's like you've got you're playing call of duty and there's loads of civilians is it's risky it's risky stuff mm-hmm. Well, unless they do the old call of duty thing which is the moment one of them gets shot it like fades and says like You'll be court-martialed. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, it, like it used to. What? Wait, uh, in what version was that? In I don't, like, I'm thinking like one, right one. back in like Call of Duty Two, right? If you did, oh, did ones, like, yeah. if you shot like civilians or did friendly fire, it would like fade as if you died. Right. Yeah, that's true. Man, Call of Duty Two was a game. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That... <laughs> I remember the graphics were quite a big bump Whoa. up for Call of Duty 2, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, the, was... the 360 version in particular, because you yeah. know it held a solid 60 frames, which was yeah. and looked good. Yeah, that was cool. It, it was kind of redoing some of the level, well, theaters and stuff from Call of Duty One, wasn't it? I think. They probably did Normandy again, just... didn't they? And. Uh... Yeah. Oh, it or, did. But was it picking it up? The... But was it picking up of of Medal of Honor's like scraps? Right. Because um, I that, think the normal that, that it did anything. in Call of Duty Two was the cliffs, wasn't it? You know, the uh, rangers going up the cliffs instead of mm-hmm. instead of the beach landing. I think that was in well, Call of Duty Two. 
I think it still had some, you know, you still had to get off the boats and do a beachy yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, but it was that like early landing or the first landing to get to the artillery on top of the cliffs or something. Mm. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. It were neat. I think they might have covered that again in, because of Probably. course you do in with, when yeah. they did Call of Duty World War Two. Mm. Yeah, I think probably use that same scene. Yeah, changed up a bit. I think. Yeah, I remember. I remember that, and it was at night. I think now instead of during the day, I think they changed mm. changed some stuff. Anywho, got that Call of Duty's out. That was all I was trying to say. Games are coming out. Uh, but otherwise, yeah. in other news, uh, where do we start? Well, I suppose we need to pick up on the Bayonetta 3 story oh, <laughs> of last the time. drama, non-drama. Yeah, which got... I mean, it, hmm, it didn't need to be a thing, but unfortunately the old voice actor made it a thing. Um, and in maybe a spectacular cell phone of the year? I don't know. <laughs> maybe. What was her plan? Just draw attention to herself as much as possible. I don't really no but anyway Helena Taylor has, not, Taylor has not put herself in a decent position she originally was out there um, news from last podcast I guess was she was originally out there saying that uh, the reason she's not voice acting Bayonetta in Bayonetta 3 um, and has been replaced with the also excellent Jennifer Hale um, uh, was, was uh, a dispute over pay claiming that she, you know, she originally stated that Pat that the offer was probably only four thousand dollars. That got somewhat torn apart pretty quick, and I think we talked about that last time as well. Where it was already suspected that it was four thousand dollars per session was the mm-hmm. actual rate, not total, uh, because of how the how that union or you know how the, how the pricing for voice acting usually works. Um, uh, yeah, and that turned out to be totally the case. Um, yeah, and then things got a little bit worse, I suppose, and that she 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 had said like oh, I would quite like you know it would be probably be a good idea for uh, us to have a conversation about about the voice actors and the pay and all that stuff, which is actually reasonable. That was the good side of this, and then it was all like so instead of <laughs> so instead of buying Bayonetta three, why don't you uh, give your money to this list of charities? Controversially, one of which being an anti-abortion group. Um, which is obviously not going to go down well. No. Um, no. So that, yeah, problematic. Quite problematic. Whatever your studs, it's like just, mm, yeah, yeah. I don't know. You're not, you're not going to help yourself in that sort of fight by uh, just throwing that in anywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> just, just not a good idea. Attention. Yeah. Um, so uh yeah and that's that's kind of where that lies it's um as, as it stands right now uh, I, I don't think it's possible for any more to really come of it because she kind of shot herself in the foot and yeah. um while I have to admit like I I haven't played Bayonetta 3 yet but I've seen footage and stuff like that while the voice change is noticeable um mm-hmm. it's not that big a deal go go no. go, you know, go play Bayonetta 3 you'll be fine 
Yeah, and th- so the general calls to boycott it have are lifted, are they? Yep. I suppose. Yeah, utter <laughs> yeah. nonsense. Who cares? It's like, yeah, as, as I sort of alluded to earlier, the, the 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 shame in all this is that hey, this actually could have started a proper conversation about mm. uh, about the 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 pay structure yeah. for for voice actors, for voice actors, yeah, and uh, the industry solving another one of its problems, uh, but it's just been undercut by all this other nonsense yeah. that came out of it. Um, so probably won't go anywhere. Anyway, that's what happened with that. Close that off. Let's never talk of it again. Uh, <laughs> in, but I'm going to carry on with more sad news. Uh, oh, I'm going to okay. mention, uh, it needs to be shouted out, because uh, I think she's important, uh, Reiko Kadama of who is a hugely influential Sega developer uh, back in the sort of, she's been she was at Sega for ages she worked on things like Fantasy Star Alex Kidd Altered Beast Sonic and I guess more uh, applicable to Zach she was heavily involved in Skies of Arcadia um, quite a prominent uh, rose to be a, a you know director status within Sega you know as a lady in the you know in the early days of I guess what you know you might you might now consider early days of like of, of the games industry becoming what it is. And uh yeah, she passed apparently passed away back in May and that this was only raised because they put a bit of memorial text in the uh new uh the new mini console thing that Sega put in or was it the, the Sega Mega Drive Mini Two or Sega Genesis Mini Two? Yes, there's a, they made a second one of those, which is weird. In oh, itself, did they? But, yeah. Okay. Um, well, just with different games in or? Yeah, it's like a limited run, different set of games mm. kind of thing. Um, uh, yeah, so sad times. Shout out to her. She's pretty important for Sega in their good times. Cool. Yeah, good for her. Konami might be making video games again. <laughs> Maybe at least um, one. <laughs> well, maybe four. Yeah, as it turns they out. claim all of them Silent Hill games. Oh, so they had a they famously so did so well with that license. Oh, boy, <laughs> I mean, was it Silent Hill one and two are generally considered good, right? And then oh, everything yeah. after that was nonsense. Just and then they like, didn't they messed up Kojima's Silent Silent Hill. Hills? Yeah, yeah. That everyone loved that demo, yeah, yeah, uh, and then they did. They that was. I mean, PT came out while they were already diving into the pachinko hole, right? It was kind of just mm. weirdly timed, I suppose. But, yeah. Uh, so apparently they're, they're. I mean, it's not like Konami got out completely. They made that awful, awful football game. Is it called E Football now or something like that? Um, released late last year, I want to say. Um, the successor to Pez, essentially. Uh, and they occasionally still put out a Bomberman game. Didn't Bomberman R2 come out not that long ago? Um, so they've sort of still been dipping their toes into games. Oh, I suppose they they must have had their given their blessing to the, to the Turtles projects this year. That's a Konami mm. gig, right? Yeah, I guess. Um, so, so they've sort of been lurking still. Um but this is the first time it sounds like they're actually getting back into games proper. Um, so the first item here is like one we already knew about. Back in May, it was leaked that the the Silent Hill 2 remake was being 
um, was in the works, um, being developed by uh, Bloober team, who are more most recently known for working on the medium, um, which has some questionable themes, but we'll <laughs> we'll gloss over those for now. So anyway, the, the fans are worried about the remake because mm. why wouldn't they be like any? <laughs> <laughs> the Silent Hill fans have got a lot to be worried about so, because nothing's been good since Silent Hill 2. Uh, there's another project called Silent Hill Townfall, which they didn't really explain a huge amount about. Um, Silent Hill Ascension, we got to hear a little more about, uh, and it's supposed to be a uh, an Until Dawn-like narrative experience, I guess. So whether that's like a full-on... Uh, you know, full on like Until Dawn or uh, they called the Dark Anthology, Dark Pictures Anthology uh, length mm. game is is unknown, but they're going they're going down that that route with that one. Uh, but also they've teased Silent Hill F, which is supposed to be a full on new entry um, in the franchise uh, for whatever that means. Of course, they haven't showed gameplay for like any of these, but. Um, that's four Silent Hill games. That's a lot when you were going to not be doing anything. Yeah. Suddenly you're doing all of this. It's madness, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Zach's professional <laughs> opinion. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that's yeah. Konami news. What else is going on? Zach, you got any Twitter updates? <laughs> no. I mean, I guess, I guess we should very briefly mention it since that has been a thing that we've talked about occasionally on the podcast in terms of the legal side of things that have yeah, been happening. Yeah, we have been following it to some extent. But basically, so we can sum up the story at this point by saying none of the legal things did have to happen in the end. And then they just, the purchase just happened. They're just... It's all cancelled, is it? All of the legal stuff because yeah. the, because it all because the, because the legal stuff was about whether it was going to happen or not, and then it did, which solved the whole right. legal problem. Mm. <laughs> did you hear about the people like standing outside Twitter HQ with boxes as if they'd been fired, but they were just randoms? Well, I mean, oh, what? That's like giving interviews <laughs> to the press. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> with like meme names, like with stupid names. I mean, that does seem like a. a a modern protest style yeah. of thing. Quite funny. <laughs> Our CNBC reporter is interviewing a Mr. Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that, would, that would be a blizzard process, though. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to come up with a more Twitter-centric name to be on. That's not what you'd imagine with that, though. No, I don't know. don't really know. Oh, uh, I oh god! <laughs> it is a nightmare, though. <laughs> Donald Trump is going to be back on Twitter. It's going to be the worst. <sighs> no one actually cares. No, <laughs> just smart people will just block him. I suppose that's mm. very few people. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's the problem. I think it has been genuinely quite good for the world that he was banned from Twitter. Mm. Uh, but anyway, never mind. Did you see his Elon's tweet though? That he, uh, he I don't was know like, which one. It, well, he basically sort of was like, um, I, I now, it, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was essentially like, I, I'm 
me walking into the Twitter office and then he said, let that sink in. And it's a video of him carrying a literal kitchen sink in or bathroom sink. Right. Let that sink in. A visual uh, pun. Uh-huh. Like such a weak, weak pun. Uh-huh. And not even like a Twitter related pun. <laughs> no. no. What's funny about that? Like, oh, you should have just... Because he, he did later tweet, like, the bird is free or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. he didn't, didn't get an actual bird for that or anything. I mean, come on. He should have just yeah. walked into carrying a fail whale, surely. <laughs> Not that the fail whale's been a thing on the Twitter for website for a long time, but... At least that would have been more appropriate. Been yeah, because that was, that like, sink. Well, what was with the sink? Is that meant to be, like, a Marcel Duchamp-style, you know, modern art thing? Or what? I, I don't know. They, they literally let the sink in. Well, as far as the lobby, anyway. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, what a weird. But I mean, practically, is any? I mean, is there going to be an exodus from Twitter in the immediate term that will actually affect? Well, the anything? thing is, I don't think there'll be an exodus of users. Well, I think realistically, what's going to happen is nothing's going to change for about two weeks to a month because that's how long it takes yeah. to even get anything done. And then yeah. by that point, everyone's going to forgotten and no one will care. Mm. <laughs> He did sort of put out, they did put out a statement. I say they, I think he put out a statement as well, sort of saying, it's like, hey, we want to actually try and sort out the mess that is advertising on Twitter. Well, and, the, uh, to try and make it exist at all, really. Well, yeah, because he was wording it in the sense where it's like, if, if, if ad, we want to like improve relevancy algorithms more than anyone else has ever done. So, like, like because. That, I mean, it's a fair point in a way, but also an insidious point where it's like it, if they're if ads are relevant enough, they're no longer ads; they are content. And it's like mm, that's not strictly true. They're still paid for and like targeted yeah. and all that stuff. That's not quite what it is, but but I can sort of see it would be less annoying, right? That's I guess that's the point he's trying to make. Where it's like we need to advertise for money, but we can make this less crappy theoretically. Uh, sure I mean if that's possible I mean yeah and you did at least then say at the end of that statement it's like hey we might we might fail miserably but we've got to try right and it's like I guess that's the Elon way which I mm. I don't mind that side as long as long as, as long as you're upfront about hey we might cock this up <laughs> it's like it's kind of okay yeah and he's got the money to gamble on that shit yeah. I suppose that's and that's how he's I guess got lucky in the past is by I guess Tesla and SpaceX were quite big gambles mm. uh, but you know I don't know I, it definitely doesn't feel like a good thing <laughs> the fact that Elon Musk owns Twitter no because no. hasn't his use of Twitter in the past been I, was about, I can't think of an appropriate word. Flamboyant was kind of came to my head, but it's like because then he like managed to mm. coerce markets in a horrendous way by tweeting some stuff that totally was was total nonsense. I mean, he got and, sued yeah, over it. <laughs> like yeah. he was specifically told not to do that on Twitter several times. Yeah, yeah. But that's he not got, a Twitter yeah, problem. Got, that's a him problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if he's in that's control, true. like does that making that worse? Or <laughs> do you think he's going to unlock the like? stock market of Twitter where it's just like I can say whatever the fuck I want now because I'm in control of Twitter I could say it as some other account because I have control of Twitter 
That would be the hard, most hardcore sock puppet account ever. I bought yeah. the entire Twitter just so I could create a sock puppet account and no one could stop me. Yeah. <laughs> I altered the markets in my favour. I don't know if that's worth $44 billion or whatever he's spent. Probably not. I mean, it might. $44 billion of fraud. <laughs> Sigh. <laughs> And in other legal news, there's not anything else to be said about Microsoft Activision yet, I guess. It's still continuing. Yeah. It's rumbling on, is it? Do you think that will, like, suddenly, out of nowhere, blow up and, like, the deal's off or something? No, I think they've got through the dangerous stages at this point. Well, I mean, it's still being looked at, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't the UK, actually? Yeah, I mean, they're at the point of, like, in in all the different individual countries doing their thing, but none of them seem like they're going to have much of a problem with it. I mean, supposedly it's the UK that are putting out the bigger bigger fight, right? That's, like... And uh, Sony are still spinning the yarn that Call of Duty is such a big deal that like, it's actually problematic for the industry if Call of Duty becomes exclusive, which Microsoft apparently set, haven't announced any plans to do so. Yeah. To the, the point where they, they're, not even, said they're not going to do that. Yeah, they right, specifically said that it's not the near future anyway. They, yeah, for three years, I think it was something like that. Three years, it can't be exclusive. And also, it can't be on Game Pass. I think that was... Part that's mm. part of the stipulation here that they can't put Call of Duty on Game Pass either. Um, so they'll be fine, <laughs> I think. Also, cool that Call of Duty is waning. Yeah, if, if we're being honest about it, it is waning. Oh, it's been waning for years, surely. I mean, it had a little boost from Warzone, I guess, because free to play games. Oh, that's true. Yeah, until Warzone became like a cheater's paradise, and yeah, I don't know if Sony even like. I feel like it can't possibly have been long enough that Sony have forgotten that that like or like or are Sony remembering too well how good a deal Call of Duty was and not interpreting what's been happening since then mm. <laughs> since they had it exclusive. They're like, oh, when well, we had Call of Duty exclusive, it was so good for us, and it's so therefore it must still be. Yeah, well, it's. <laughs> I mean, they're still in the position where the marketing deal with Play- is with PlayStation for Call of Duty, right? It, it's, it's still with them to yeah. the point where that version of the game gets stuff earlier than every other version, which is actually a problem for crossplay, as it turns out. While we're on the Call of Duty, well, I mean, Sony has various problems with crossplay, not well, just no, Call of Duty. Well, it's, it's it's the fact that crossplay actually works in this instance, yeah. but the PlayStation get like abilities and perks that no other platform has, so it's so that the playing field is technically not fair. Um, so that's a problem. Anywho, mm. uh, I can't think of much else going on. No. Well, that's the news. Yeah, I suppose because it's release season, right? Uh, yeah, them um, games coming out. Mario, that new Mario Rabbids is probably is, is out. Yeah. yeah, is out and. Is apparently very good, just like the last one that we didn't play. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, there's no kind of XCOM or whatever to play, so I guess it's Mario versus Rabbits. Yeah, if you if you're in, if you want, if you want a tactical tactical, what are they called? Are they just tactics games? Sort of. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, sort of. Would that put it in the game same category as like your fire emblems or something? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I that is kind of what they are, mm. just with guns. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, a, like, well, I suppose Gears was literally called Gears Tactics. Yep. Right? Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about what we've been playing then. I guess. 
it is time. Um, Zach, what have you been up to these past couple of weeks? Well, for a change, I have some different things to talk about because it was demo season again, I guess. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Although I say some different things to talk about. The kind of games that I play, there's also been demos for kinds of games that I play and therefore right, not exactly much of a different conversation. Um, I played three different things. Uh, mm. The first one is called Tectonica, which is basically what if Satisfactory slash Factorio, but you're in a cave. <laughs> Right. The entire world is a cave and you have to excavate the caves to fit your factory shit in. Why wouldn't you just whatnot. just dig upwards? Oh, because you're down there for mysterious purposes to do with maybe drilling into the core of the planet for some reason. Except okay. maybe not, because it's how it's how you find it seems like the story is that like you're maybe the only survivor, but everyone else who dies, like their like conscious gets uploaded into this weird cube. So you like find one right outside your resurrection pod or whatever mm. and then that becomes your like tutorial voice essentially who tells you what to do to mm. get started but then when you find the occasional bit of like story stuff in the world she's like what the hell's going on here i didn't tell them to dig into the core of the planet <laughs> so you know maybe you'll find out what mystery has occurred and why everyone died so maybe that's a good idea to tie that sort of game to a narrative well i mean it, i guess it's sort of a sub- subnautica style aspect to it as well hmm. like you're in this world and you're going to find out what's going on via progressing through the tech tree essentially <laughs> that's kind of what subnautica did except with less automation <laughs> but yeah it it, it is one of those games you have conveyor belts and inserters and you put stuff on and off conveyor belts with arms and then they put them into machines and do various things although the major problem that I have with it is it runs like shit oh really <laughs> oh no and I was uh, like I was like okay is this a my ancient system problem or is this an actual game problem and yeah. I, my suspicion is that it is in fact an, an actual game problem for two reasons Firstly, because I the other game that I played next, which is very similar, which I'll talk about in a sec, ran perfectly fine. Uh, although that one is doing slightly less graphically, I guess. But then the other reason that I was like, this this is probably a this game problem, is that I turned the resolution down to like 720p and it didn't get any better. Mm. <laughs> I was like, right. uh, that's probably just this game so being not well made. That's so probably not graphic limited. Yeah. Well, maybe I don't know. It's just it's really weird. graphic limited. Yeah. <laughs> like if you, can you put it down to like switch level potato graphics? Well, I didn't turn it down any further than that, but I did. It doesn't really have super many graphics options. I mean, I guess a normal amount, <laughs> but mm. resolution is normally the one that should gain you the most. Sure, yeah, but it made made basically no difference. So, yeah, I'm just going to say that that's just some indie game jank. It just or, or indie game jank that just doesn't agree with my system, not necessarily that my system is too ancient to run it well. Yeah, possibly. Because, I don't know, how many... How many it could be one of those things where it's actually designed to have many a processor with many cores. Yeah, or, or something. So I don't know. But, you know, I, I was... I think that... I got to, like, the sort of pass the tutorial into the bit where the demo opens up a bit and it's just like here's all the here's a bunch of stuff and then you just make a factory but then i was like it wasn't necessarily because it was running bad but i felt like it wasn't it wasn't very well balanced towards like the scale it wanted you to do immediately and that might just be a demo thing yeah they might have deliberately set those values super high or whatever but i was just like i 
don't feel like I'm really capable of scaling a factory that quickly in in this sort of environment. Mm. And the cave is sort of inconvenient. You do have this, like, it's basically a black hole gun in the lore of the game that you use to carve out the rooms. But it 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 needs a bit more UI work or something, I think, because it's quite hard to, like, keep a flat plane. Or Well, it's not really hard to keep a flat plane once you start, mm. but it's hard to tell exactly where you're aiming. Like, it tries to highlight, a, a like, a wireframe box that shows you where you're going to carve out, but it's hard right. to make sure you're aligned with your current floor when you're starting. Okay, yeah. But then once you start and you've got your mouse aligned, you just walk forwards and it's fine. So is this a... So is this an it's not out demo? Or is this like an early access? I think or? it's just gone into early access. Okay, so there's there's definitely room yeah, there's then. yeah, quite a lot of work still to be done, I guess. Yeah, there's probably quite a bit of. I mean, optimizing is one of the last, last things, things on, yeah. a, on a on a dev project. But yeah, it's it's got some fairly standard Factorio esque things going on. Like the mm. f- the first mining drills, you get a powered by burning fuel, so you have to manage putting fuel in them and all that stuff. It has a, <laughs> and then the second game that I played also basically, it's now it's Factorio, except now it's Minecraft. <laughs> oh, okay. So you, so three D. Yeah, you have you're on the surface <laughs> rather than a cave. So satisfactory, but in cubes. Well, yes, that too. And if any fat- satisfactory slash Factorio game and style thing going on with but now with a specifically cubical world mm. a specific cube grid except the actually the minecraft part of like you know digging away the land or whatever is kind of irrelevant really mainly because it actually wants you to build everything on platforms that you build specifically like you have to make the platform cubes and then build a floor of them and then put your buildings on top of it because the actual floor is what transmits the power Oh right, okay. A little so, bit, a little bit like the the creep, I guess, from a Starcrafty sort of. Yeah, way. kind of. And, uh, isn't that wasn't that true of Satisfactory as well? You had to build floors for some things, or in Satisfactory, it was more of a convenience thing to get everything aligned to the grid oh, rather right, than okay. totally three D placed on on the world. Right. So if you're just building on the grass, it doesn't grid it doesn't align. snap at all. Interesting. But yeah, so in this game, it's because it's all block based anyway. Building not on the platforms would be fine, except they you're required to build on the platforms because that's how the power gets into the buildings. Right. But yeah, apart from that, it's fairly, it's got, I should say it's called Foundry in this one. But apart from that, it's I'm not a very creative factory name there. Well, I mean, you're going to run out of factory puns at some point. Well, I'll, I'll give, te- give actually... Tectonica some credit. That's all right. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, it's it, apart from that, it's fairly standard, like, you build the miner on the ore deposit and then you belt it into some assembling machines and you make... And it, it kind of even has Factorio's science thing where it's like you make the science packs and feed them into the research lab. <laughs> hmm. The one thing that it does do slightly differently, which is kind of interesting, is that the surface deposits of ore are, are meant to be like the starting resources, essentially, because you eventually get to the point where you do underground mining, but even though it's a Minecraft-like world, it doesn't seem to randomly generate caves in the way Minecraft does. The world is pretty much just solid. Mm. 
blocks but then at certain layers down you come across mineral veins so you scan it with a scanner at the surface find out how far down the mineral veins are and then you have this elevator building where you can basically tell it how far down to dig before before making an opening essentially so you just program it you scan to find out where the mineral vein is tell the elevator to create a floor at that point and then it automatically generates the elevator shaft and then you can go down there and then you build like essentially sort of underground mining trains like um, you know just a big drill mm. that then drives forwards along rails so if you've set your height correctly it just drills into the mineral vein and that's like your long-term large volume or source rather than the surface deposits and that's kind of cool but not much of a system, I guess, because mm. you do just like, where's the ore vein? Go to it, set up this figure, and you're basically done for probably ever because it's a lot of ore. It's, you know, there's so many blocks down there comparatively because <laughs> it's a solid layer of blocks. Mm. Maybe when they develop the game some more, the underground will be non-solid or there'll be some other obstructions or variants rather than it being, because I mean, the layers do vary in height slightly, but not enough that it's, going to matter at this point it seems and the mining train will just delete anything it doesn't it isn't configured to pick up so it just oh, goes right. <laughs> so you don't even really have to have a you know a sorting device or anything to sort the output it only, no, it already, it picks up exactly what you tell it to i mean that already sounds like a convenient hack doesn't it like if it just deletes what it can't pick up it's yeah, like well exactly. that's all the waste goes yeah Because I feel like in a lot of factory like games like these, the waste aspect is kind of underutilized. But it's 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 a problem because like in the early game you wouldn't want to deal with it because it would just be too inconvenient when you don't have the tech to deal with it. Mm. But then in the late game it would be cool because then you'd have all these potential options to like reprocess the waste or sort it and do all these other things. But like you can't have it suddenly start generating waste at a certain point in the game because that doesn't really make sense. Because there have been mods in Factorio that have tried to do that, where it's just like even your starting mines produce like dirt and gravel as well as the ores, and then you have to sort them out. But then you just end up with chests upon chests of dirt and gravel that you can't do anything with yet (laughs) until a certain point in the game where you get the technology to do the thing with it. But then in Factorio, that, that... because of the way Factorio works, you don't have to deal with that because you just put it in a chest and then just blow the chest up and then it just goes away. Yeah, right. <laughs> like there's no consequence to having a big pile of shit in Factorio because you can easily just delete it. Mm. Mm. So yeah, I mean, I've always thought that the, that you know it would be cool to have those kind of waste systems that sometimes the more complicated factory mods try and deal with but there's it's a balancing problem of how you deal with it in the early game versus the late game which i guess in this case you could say is would be the point of having the underground mining right because the early game deposits are the surface deposits so you could have them not make the waste and then once you move on to the underground deposits that's when you actually have to deal with more complicated systems Mm. but it it doesn't do that yet (laughs) maybe it will at some point Maybe what, maybe if they develop it some more. And then the third game I played was not as much Factorio-like, I guess. Okay. Still, still some elements, I, I guess, of a similar <coughs> system. It, but that one, this one is called Stardeus, which is, it's more like... <laughs> That's a less good name. <laughs> it's more like um, 
I guess, Rimworld slash Dwarf Fortress, but in space. Okay. <laughs> you, you're on a ship. Stardeus. Yeah. Stardeus? 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 I'm going to have to look up how this is spelled. Well, Stardeus, it's like Star God, I guess. Right? Oh, that kind of like Deus. Deus like <laughs> but Star is... is yeah. It's switching language there, aren't Yes, <laughs> yeah. it is a bit. But yeah... I, the Astro or something. It is like, a bit of a... <laughs> yeah, that's better <laughs> already. It is quite a lot like a like a Dwarf Fortress slash Rimworld style thing. You're building a colony, except it it has some slightly different ideas where like the, the human colonists are like almost unimportant. Like you're, you're building the base and running a lot of stuff is just done by your robots. Like you are the computer and you control the ship and you control the robots. And then the humans you do need them for certain specific tasks, like piloting and communicating with traders. But like the game doesn't really care if they die; <laughs> you can totally mm. just let them die. In the, the, the game, but you do it. Like there's a sort of a sort of a. I guess it's maybe a fail state, but like you're you're at the start of the game, your ship gets blown up by something you don't know what. So you 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 start the game in like a wreckage, like a various chunks of broken ship are floating around and one of the parts of it has a stasis pod that has all the humans in and that's sort of like the portal that they enter the game from essentially so every so often a new human wakes up from the stasis pod and so you so you have a limited number of humans in theory Mm. like your total population will eventually run out if you let them all die which would probably be bad because you do still need them for certain things but then there's also the the like balance of like they just wake up over time automatically unless you supply the stasis pod with a bunch of extra power to like oh i see so you can you can keep going if you want yeah you can you can pause the generation of new people if you can supply it with extra power basically And then the other thing that it does that's slightly interesting, but maybe is only interesting in this early game stage of the wreckage, is that like you you start with these wrecked chunks of ship and you can like pull them back together. So like the individual chunks of ship count as separate areas, but then you can like build a winch and actually like pull them together and then they reconnect. So yeah. it makes the start of the game kind of interesting, but I don't know how that's going to play into the late game. Like, will you in, end up in a situation where your ship does actually just take a bunch of damage and like gets cut in half at some point? <laughs> Possibly. <coughs> but yeah, apart from that, you're doing like normal sort of base management things except in the space context where it's like oh well you better get the power grid up so you can supply the oxygen and the heat to the areas that the humans are in so they don't all die but your robots don't really care but then your robots need charging and then like you need to connect all these other machines to the power grid and then how are you going to generate the power except in the early game it seems to be you just you get this convenient type of reactor where you just feed it anything and it makes power <laughs> so you feed it all these steel plates that are lying around from the explosion that happened <laughs> and that just makes power somehow okay and then nanites yeah i guess <laughs> and then you just repair this spaceship into being functional to be able to fly around and then it then it gets like you don't really see this in the demo because you know you don't have enough time to get to this point in the demo but it seems like once you get the ship functional like able to be a spaceship again <laughs> and you can fly around it seems like the the sort of end game goal is to find a planet that you can terraform hmm. and then i don't know what but then so then i was 
like I liked the progress in that early game, the like that like early base building, recovering the wreckage and stuff, and the sort of concept of I guess it's sort of still oxygen not included in that way, where you're like you're building base bases specifically worrying about temperature and oxygen and whatnot. Right, yeah. And like airlocks and that kind of thing. But then so then I was like but I had a feeling and then I went and looked at like the Steam reviews and I was like, Oh yeah, I have had a, had this sense this sense that the mid game is apparently kind of empty and the late game is just a huge grind. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, this mm. definitely seems seems suspiciously like it needs more development time. Mm. But this mm. is out out, right? Like this one. I mm, I literally just looked up at like on my phone and yeah, it said, it said I, released, but I don't know if it like actually meant Released as early access or not? Yeah, I think it is classed as released, but they've just said they're going to keep working on it. Okay, yeah. So it might as well be early access. I don't know. Yeah, if... but yeah, Re- released with updates. But yeah, maybe it does sound like the 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 sort of progression gets a bit like stretched out into the mid late game where there's not enough happening. And it does just become like just grind for resources, so you can just pump them into this planet that you're going to terraform. <laughs> right. Not not enough content, essentially. Yeah, maybe. So that was the demos, and then apart from that, I played a bunch more Factorio. Because <laughs> <laughs> of course, naturally, I've actually reached the point in my space exploration save where it feels like I'm actually playing space exploration. <laughs> I finally oh. committed to moving to that different planet and setting up automated rockets and everything. So now I actually, and then went back through all the other plants I'd colonized and reworked them to work fully automated with the ro- with the automated rockets. And now it's like, this is how space exploration is meant to be. <laughs> I don't have to worry about manually triggering the rocket launchers or anything because it's all done automatically. These are rockets that transfer the goods between them. Yeah, between the different planets. The planets. Onto right. landing pads and then like all the stuff gets filtered out. There are still a couple of bits of it that I guess are not that I haven't strictly fully automated because the problem is that like you have to plan ahead for the way that rockets get reused because there's a tech that you can improve over time that increases the amount of rocket parts that get that are reusable. So whenever mm-hmm. a rocket lands on a landing pad, you get a certain percentage of the parts back. Mm-hmm. So if you're sending a bunch of rockets to a planet and then the rocket parts are like piling up there because you're only sending like one rocket back the other way occasionally. Then it's like, what are you going to do with these rocket parts? They're just going to build up over time. So maybe you need a rocket to ship the rocket parts back. But then that becomes like even worse when you're talking about the space capsules because every rocket needs a capsule on the top of it. I guess the command capsule, even if you're not in it. Even if it's cargo. Yeah, the capsule is like the rocket sections are for the cargo, I guess, and the capsule is just like the command module, I suppose. Okay, if it's robotic or whatever. But the command module always survives, so it's mm. always reusable. Which means the cargo, the capsule modules are definitely going to build up over time if you're sending more rockets one way than the other. So you, then you're in a situation where, like, do you? Do you make a specific rocket only for dealing with that, or do you just like shove them in the cargo hold of another rocket and deal with it at the other end? Because that's the way I've been doing it at the moment, because mm. all of the rockets are made at my main base, and mm. obviously most of the resources are coming into my main base, so I'm just like, well, I'll just bring them over here and I'll sort them, <laughs> sort them out of the cargo when they're back at home. And that's sort of the same for, like, s- steel, because a lot of... The main thing I've been shipping is, like, water and petroleum gas which 
two completely terrible things to ship in space rockets, but you just have to. <laughs> hmm. In reality, you wouldn't want to ship either of those things in a rocket, really, but that's how this game works. But So you ship them in barrels inside the hmm. rocket, and then once you get them at the other end, it's like, well, you can save a lot of rockets by, at the depositing end, reprocessing the barrels back into steel bars because the steel bars stack better than barrels so you can fit way oh, more of them in okay. a rocket and then you send a whole rocket of steel back occasionally rather than constantly sending barrels back and forth barrels back yeah that's literally what happens in real life with containers right when yeah they just shove plastic. containers inside the other containers they yeah just crush they them down crush up the container and put it into a container yeah <laughs> ship it back but then that that is another way that you're going to end up with like re- rocket part build up and stuff so not, I basically haven't automated the capsule part fully. I'm just like, also because you only need one per rocket. And I, I'm just like, I'll just send a rocket's worth of capsules to this base. And that will last for like, who knows how many hours. Because <laughs> it's not launching rockets that quickly. 70 odd capsules is going to last a hell of a long time. <laughs> Including the capsules that are coming in with inbound rockets. But yeah, so I finally reached that point where it's just like now I'm now I'm really playing space exploration, I guess. Although I'm still feeling now I'm now I'm back to feeling the like technology pressure where because I haven't the one the one thing that I haven't really updated at this point is like the research and redone all my space labs or anything to the to move it into this planet's orbit instead of the old planet's orbit. So I'm not doing any research still, and I'm definitely at the point where I'm like, I wish my robots were better so I could build stuff faster because now I'm building these huge-ass factories from blueprints, basically. And it's like, it's a, it's a, I've made all these nice blueprints, and it's, it is nice to be able just to be able to dump them down and have the construction robots do it, but it's still not that fast. <laughs> mm. So I'm now in the process of rebuilding all my science-producing stuff and and setting up the automated rockets for that, and then I'll have to rebuild the space platform with the space labs on, and then I can actually move into new science. Maybe. The new science is where it gets kind of awkward, though, because the... What makes it new science? Well, you have to have read New Scientist. (laughs) Yeah, clearly. I see. Well, no, you can't be reading nature. It's got to be new science. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely not nature for Factorio. (laughs) In fact, like, I I had the sort of... The epitome of Factorio's, like dystopian world where i came to this completely fresh planet which is also coincidentally a jungle planet so it's totally covered in trees and a bunch of biters and whatnot and i the first thing i did after landing was set up a nuclear power plant and then go nuke a bunch of shit nice <laughs> like, this is the quintessential fuck up the planet maneuver <laughs> did you clear some trees no just to kill all the biters oh okay, i'm not so. at the point of using nukes to clear trees yet Maybe, maybe <laughs> later. <laughs> Thought about it. I did very nearly accidentally set most of the planet on fire when I built some flamethrower towers and then almost forgot to like clear the fire gap. <laughs> as soon as the flamethrower towers right. shot at any enemies, it was like, oh shit, those trees are going to set on fire, aren't they? <laughs> I should probably cut them down first. Because burning trees in Factorio does actually make pollution. Mm. It does simulate that. <laughs> if you set fire mm, to the good. whole planet, it's probably bad. Although I still, I'm still, I guess, winning the race of evolution against the enemies. I still haven't... I've upgraded my walls to the medium blueprints that I made, where the, it still doesn't use full flamethrowers. I only have flamethrowers in, like, this one outpost. But it has, like, slightly more complicated walls in the medium tier. 
but I'm not not at full flamethrowers yet. Where we'll have to worry about accidentally setting this whole planet on fire because <laughs> there's so many trees. <laughs> but now, now I, I now I'm just like where I'm building my base. You can just see these like circular like gray patches where the nukes were because <laughs> it leaves a permanent like scorch mark basically whenever hmm. you fire a nuke. So you like this is where all the enemies used to be. <laughs> But yeah, so the the trick with the new science is that the up until the space science, it's like regular factorial science. You're just making the science packs and putting them into the labs on the ground. But then once you get to space science, you have to the labs have to be in space, and the space science packs have to be made in space. So you actually have to build these these specific factories to do that. And then as I'm moving into the more complicated space science, they become like, well, basically much more resource heavy. So you have to put more resources in space. And also, this is a weird thing that I didn't realize until I looked at it. Like none of these, none of the space factories can take productivity modules because productivity modules is normally how you deal with like scale in Factorio because obviously you just stick a bunch of productivity modules in a building where it's like, you get 50% more out of it. And that's obviously yeah. going to save you a shit ton of resources. And if you then counteract like the speed reduction with speed modules, as well as productivity modules, you can like build a much, build much more stuff out of less resources and a smaller footprint, but you can't put productivity modules in any of the space buildings. So your space space is automatically going to have to be much bigger. Mm. And all the space buildings are just bigger to start with. <laughs> Right. So the actual scaling up of the space platform to fit all these huge buildings on and the fact that you're just going to have to build more of them anyway is like this is getting really resource intensive at this point. And then some of the processes are kind of complicated as well in the space science because it's it gets much more into like looping, recycling resources. I mean, I guess because you would do that in space, but... <laughs> you get a bit more of that logistical problem of like, I'm using these data cards. You send them into the supercomputers, they get formatted, but then sometimes you get a broken data card instead. And then you have to take that and you have to recycle it. And then sometimes you get a good data card out of recycling it. And sometimes you just get scrap and then you have to send the scrap somewhere to recycle that. Hmm. <laughs> so yes, I haven't quite got back into space science, but hopefully once I get there, things will improve somewhat. I might actually be able to get Spidertron in space exploration. <laughs> Which would be What's nice. Because Spidertron is like the end game of regular Factorio. Oh. And it's super useful because it it's basically like, you know, it's like a spider tank that also mm -hmm. can fit all of your armor equipment. So you, you can basically make it have its own logistics robots and construction robots. So you, essentially you could have a whole other character wandering around basically. Mm. So you can send it off mm. to do building remotely so you don't have to be there. And obviously that's super useful in space exploration when you could send it to a completely different planet and then you can have it do things right. you don't have yeah, to build right, and be good. there. Yeah, that's, that does seem useful. Like having another commander in... Uh, in yeah, in, 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 in any of the total annihilations or whatever. Yeah. Or Supreme Commander. So I would quite like to get... I, that's why I've been working mainly towards the two different types of space science that unlock Spidertron, which is like biological and material science, I think, for some reason. I don't think Spidertron is that biological. Although the the default Factorio recipe for Spidertron does use like a fish. <laughs> so <laughs> this is the brain of Spidertron. You just shove a fish in there. <laughs> I don't like that it's like, we can only make one of these. We've only got one suitable fish. <laughs> 
Well, unfortunately not. The seas of Factorio worlds are continuously full of fish, which I always wonder if that's like going to actually is actually like a you know game update rate problem when it's got to calculate all these fish. Except normally, what happens is that eventually the fish, because of random pathing, the fish gradually migrate onto the edge of like the active chunks. So sometimes mm. when you're flying over an area you haven't been for a while, you can see like this right angled line of fish where they've all migrated to because past that point their AI doesn't run. Right, I see. <laughs> <laughs> but still, you'd think that, you know, there must be some calculation costs on constantly telling these fish to move around. Mm. <laughs> Delete all fish. I do wonder if, like, the super late game space exploration weaponry is like the plague missile that just kills everything on the planet. And I wonder if that includes fish. Because huh. <laughs> that is definitely the solution to the super late game mega base situation. Like, you don't want any enemies, you don't want any trees, just remove everything in one mm. shot. <laughs> I need this to be a rock. Yeah. That's the, that's the real ecological disaster. <laughs> And I have also been slightly cheesing the space exploration system of like the way it spawns enemies on planets. Because if the planet is small enough and the threat is low enough, the threat level is low enough, because of the way Factorio generates the enemy bases in a way where they like get more dense the further away from the middle of the map you are. And because these maps are now limited size and circular... Mm. If the threat is low enough and the planet is small enough, occasionally even planets with a threat level will just not spawn any enemies. And then you can basically tell the game to recognize that there's no enemies and it just sets the threat level to zero, which then presumably disables all the pathfinding whatever for that planet. Yeah, I see. <laughs> or you, you can, can tell the game there's no enemies. What is it in the Well, in the, in the space exploration like satellite view, there's just a button that says like confirm hostile extinction. <laughs> Hmm. which oh, as oh. i say is just what it's technically meant to do is allow you to delete parts of the map to save processing and then hmm. if you walk back into those deleted areas it won't regenerate enemies right. like it normally gotcha. would so you you're basically telling it that this map is now clear so i can delete it all and then if i re-explore it later there won't be enemies again <laughs> you're not just just do, just press the button does it just get rid of enemies <laughs> no it's not it, it doesn't recognize whether there are enemies on that planet but yeah. So, well, you, so what's the consequences of pressing it early? Or? Nothing. It just doesn't do anything. It's just like, there are no. still enemies on this planet. <laughs> it seems no. weird that their options even there. Like, is there, why would you, could you want enemies to still spawn in? And if you unload chunks or like, why, why is it not just going to like, like the enemies are extinct? Well, yeah, I guess it could do it automatically. Although I guess maybe they don't want to have it running a check. It can't be that hard. Well, I mean, it could be, depending on how many plans you're on. It can't be that. But yeah, that, that's that's the late game of space exploration. <laughs> I still haven't got there. Oh, actually, the other thing about space exploration, I did actually get a spaceship because it turns out it, it the, the game just gives you one, essentially. Like, right. hidden in the asteroid belt, there's just a wrecked spaceship that you can launch a rocket to and then repair and then you have a spaceship basically Mm. it's tiny and not actually really useful for much but you have one so i know now know how that system works you could move you i suppose yes what i've been using it for is like 
instead of flying an entire rocket from the new planet to my home base, I used uh, just a capsule to fly to orbit to get on the spaceship, fly the spaceship to the other planet's orbit, and then use the capsule to go back down to that planet. <laughs> Which is, I mean, it takes way longer. I mean, it takes like a whole minute longer, I guess, because that's about the flight time. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess it saves rocket parts. I still have to make the fuel for the spaceship, which is not really very expensive. But I did have to set up a system to do that and unlock the technology to do that. I guess I hadn't got that at that point, but it wasn't an expensive technology at, at the point I was at in the tech tree. But yeah, it does have... So the spaceship system does have, like, actual structure to it. Like, it detects the actual structure of the spaceship. So you have to have walls around the outside, you have to have floor underneath it, and all the different modules, like the engines and whatnot, have to be facing a certain direction, and the mm. command console has to be connected to everything, and there has to be doors. And if you want to get fuel in, you have to use like pipe connections and docking clamps and all that kind of stuff. And then it also actually sort of detects the shape of the ship. So it can detect if there's holes and it can detect if, if it's like not aerodynamic, even though you wouldn't have thought that'd be a problem in space, but this nebula is dense. (laughs) (laughs) So you're going to be running into a lot of gas as you're flying around, I guess. So yeah, it, it does have a whole like structural integrity system. And then like the actual, the structural integrity of the ship is also a component of like how much cargo you can have on board. I think it's like whichever one is higher, you have like a limit to actual structural integrity, which is based on your tech level. So you, if you level up your spaceship tech, you can make bigger ships basically. But then there's also a limit to how much cargo you can have on board a ship of that size. So if you go over that limit, it won't let you fly it either. Mm. Even though technically you could just stuff a ship with a million cargo containers, but they've worked around that problem by limiting it. (laughs) Stuff that ship. Yeah. Stuff that ship. And I keep thinking maybe I could redesign this ship a little bit to make it better, but at the moment I don't really need it for anything. It is purely a saving cost every time I need to go back to home base. (laughs) Or the original planet, I guess. Not really home base any longer. Now that I've moved almost everything to the new planet. And that's Factoria. (laughs) And I played some amount of Dirk. Mostly by myself. We did some four-player Dirk yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, not quite soon enough for Rob to finish the Halloween stuff no <laughs> also I don't like we were doing other assignment missions I guess yeah did I say that there's a Lord of the Rings Mines of Moria dwarves look like a clone of <laughs> Doug game oh, coming yeah. that's pretty obvious I guess to just clone that and then make it with that license well, it's, uh, I guess it's probably closer to a clone of the war hammer one right yeah, probably, yeah. Vermintide. Yeah. I mean, I assume, I assume the dwarves in, in Middle-earth aren't going to be using guns. <laughs> That's what, yeah. There's a slight difference there. <laughs> yeah, I guess it would be mostly melee. <laughs> and what are they going to be fighting? Trolls. Uh, tr- yeah, orcs and trolls. And... I guess the trolls are big bosses. Because right, they're big. I mean, are we, are the we ultimate at, boss is the Balrog, right? Yeah, are we going to be having an endgame Balrog boss? That's the question. Where you can't win, because obviously... Yeah, we can't win. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Dirk Halloween is, you know, 
a traditional not not much going on day event and the patch the the actual season three starts next week so Ooh. next podcast we can talk about that the plague yep the plague there will be plagues Dirk, right then, Rob. <laughs> Play good, Dirk. What have you been playing other than Dirk? Uh, well, I was, try- I was trying to think what actually I have been doing. Uh, I suppose it's <laughs> brief adventures in emulation land from like <laughs> yeah. preparations for future videos. I might as well for report it here. Uh, yeah. uh, so, notoriously difficult game GameCube game to emulate Rogue Squadron 2, Rogue Leader, uh, I can confirm that with a bit of messing around, I did manage... I got it into a playable state. It's not perfect, but, like, still not perfect, even oh, even with all time. the um, difficult stuff that Dolphin has, has had to do to get that game working. Turns out, you know, Factor 5 were using pretty much... Like, right from launch of the console, they were using a yeah. lot of tricks to get that game to do what it does. Mm. Um, which is interesting. And also kind of a credit to Factor 5 for, you know, putting that thing together, yeah, I guess. it's amazing looking when that came out. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's it's as, as a result, it makes emulation real tricky. So it's it's now, like, during a mission, it's, it's mostly fine, but, like, loading pauses seem to cause uh, a fair amount of stutter. Uh, and weirdly, of all things, it's like when you're flying the X-wing and you pull up the targeting computer, that causes a hitch. Oh, and things weird. like that. So, fortunately, you don't really actually have you to don't do need that. that. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's mostly okay. I messed around with it. Like, there's a there's a widescreen hack for it, so it can run in sixteen nine, and there's also a, a texture pack for it. But I would not recommend using either of those. Uh, mm. The widescreen hack crashed the game when I was trying it, and the uh, uh, at certain moments reliably crashed it at the same point every time mm-hmm. um and i just didn't really like the texture pack it looked kind of kind of gross in some spots yeah um uh but it looked it looked yeah it's it annoying because it looks nice in some spots and looks awful in others like it's one of those yeah like, like the explosion the new explosion graphic doesn't look very good <laughs> things like that um Remember the explosions looking cool when you blew up TIE Fighters? Yeah, it? they weren't too bad because they broke up into their okay. pieces, right? And yeah, it was cool. And quite a lot of the buildings and stuff you destroyed like had like almost like a particle uh, mm. like spewer that was on for like a second or something. As it, while it was blowing up, it would just go blah with bits. Um, <laughs> cool. <laughs> like too many rib cages in Mortal Kombat, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that's it's playable now. That's good. So we, we might we might cover that at some point. Uh, while I was also doing that, I like because I was in GameCube land. I thought, and, and it's been it's been in the back of my mind for a while. It's like I should try Burnout One. I should go back and see what that was. That's a, if that game actually holds up. Spoiler alert: It doesn't really hold up. It's no. weird. Well, that's what I said. <laughs> I warned you. You did warn me. Yeah. Yeah, two is where it started to evolve into. It started things. to come together. Yeah, because it's like its boost yeah. mechanic is like, well, the the core ingredients are there, right? It builds up when you're driving into oncoming traffic. Like it has the near miss system, but you have to be really close to trigger the near miss, yeah. like mm. um, super. And 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 it doesn't build the bar doesn't build up very fast at all. Like it's actually a struggle to get it to the point where you can boost. Um, mm. 
But it has the system where you like you also have to fill the bar before you can boost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a burnout is being able to hold the boost for the entire length for the entire, of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then you get some of it back. Um, and you can get all of it back if you manage to do enough dangerous all stuff right. whilst boosting. Right. But the combination of that, the difficulty of getting the boost going, the traffic patterns, which are evil, like they are really mean and... Uh, and and the course design not really seemingly taking into account where traffic could be, like a lot of blind corners and the, the squirrel slightly squirrely nature of the handling. It's a really difficult game. <laughs> mm. It's like they made an actually realistic turn out before they realised they should make a game then. <laughs> yeah, kinda. <laughs> uh, and it turns out my memory about how that music system worked was totally true, which which made which made well, me yes. smile a little bit. It's like you get you get the good music for like a, for like a few crashes, and it's like because you're crashing quite frequently in this, and it's mm. like like uh, yeah, after a few crashes, the music then changes into the slightly more sinister the, the, the version. version. Yeah, a few strings come in, and it's, it's yeah, it was exactly as I remembered it. <laughs> it's um, in all its weirdness. So then naturally I thought, what's the state of Burnout 3? That uh, immediately yeah, after course. trying that is like, okay, Burnout 3 is clearly the Zenith. Let's let's yeah. have a let's have a go at that. Um and I noticed the uh, uh the Zemu, I think is the Xbox OG Xbox emulator. I noticed that right. marked it as playable. Um so I had a little toy with that and it's yeah, it's it's not really playable. Like it runs, right. but yeah. it ran on my system, which is I don't know middling i guess these days maybe a little less than middling um definitely not enough cpu grunt in my system to drive that thing at any wow. anywhere near the right frame rate it was it was running and it looked correct but it uh yeah it was running at like 15 frames a second instead of 60 right, yeah. you know um, and the game speed was tied to that so uh, I also couldn't get controller rigged up to it properly because I don't know Zemu's done some changes to its interface and I couldn't get that to work. Um, so I was playing it with extraordinarily awkward default keyboard layout and uh, just to, just to try it and it's yeah it's a bad scene. Don't do it. Um, the good news is is that the, the the current beta build of PCSX2 can run the PlayStation 2 version. Right. Yeah. Pretty much perfectly. Check. There, like the there massive are sparks I seem to remember for some reason. The sparks <laughs> yep. of the PS2 version. Yeah, they, they were reason. a little larger, but I think that gets mitigated somewhat if you run it at a more than original resolution. Oh, like okay. I didn't actually notice a huge difference between how the two emulated versions looked. Mm. I remember, like in the original on, on the original hardware, like that there were some texture problems on the PS2 versions in places. Like there were cars. Do you remember like there were cars that you unlocked that were like black and had flame graphics on the side? Yeah, right. PlayStation yeah. version, or at least my copy of it, those flames weren't there. No, yeah. they were just mm. pure black cars. <laughs> mm, weird. Um, but it's working then. On oh yeah, PS2. yeah, yeah, yeah. As I say, not not everything is perfect, but as far as you would care. It's it's next to next to perfect. Um, there so you go. Fully playable now. It's um, there were problems with the sky not loading incorrectly, and you having to do a little you know, unload, reload, or swap to software renderer, and then swap to the swap to, the, to your, you know D three D renderer again in order to get the sky to function properly and things like that. But um, yeah, if you pull the latest beta version of PCSX two, that's all sorted. 
Good work. Good work, peeps. Uh, anyway, that, that's pre- that was pretty much my emulation dive. There's a few so other being, things I want to try still. But, so um, Burnout 3 being working nicely on PS2 emulation is, is quite a recent thing then, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they, they've right. not... It's, that's been... Burnout 3 has been... Even though PS2 emulation is pretty good at mm. this point, um, Burnout 3 posed it a few problems. Um, so mm. it's, it's... I mean, it's probably been fixed for a while now, but it's not... It's, as I say, it's fixed in the beta branch. It's not in their right. stable yeah, release yeah. branch. Um, yeah. But that's easily available on. Uh, same with Dolphin, actually. The stuff I was talking about with Dolphin is not in their stable release. It's in there with Rogue Leader. Yeah, yeah it's in the, it's in their beta section, nice. uh, which is probably the one you should really be using at the moment because there's been so many advances since the last stable release they did. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, so that's emulation. Uh, other than Derg and Rocket League, the thing I put the most time into was uh, Hell, Metal Hellsinger, uh, which I have now finished. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I really enjoyed my time with that game. Like, I don't have a huge amount to add on last time, and you know, it's exa- it's it's kind of the same all the way through. I suppose is is perhaps a uh, a slight knock. Doesn't get too much more advanced than once you've got the beat matching down and you unlock it, unlocked all the weapons, which you do pretty quick because it's not a huge arsenal. Um, mm. You then go through the. There's only like eight levels in the game, um, like main stages, uh, so you know, it doesn't take you too long. But they pad those out with these little challenges that they call torments that will twist things up a little bit. So it's like, here, have a, have a kill this many enemies, but every time you kill one, your weapon changes to something else and you can't manually change yourself. Um, mm. Or, uh, you know, in, in this one, you have to do glory, or the, the game's equivalent of glory kills, which are called slaughters. Um, and they're the only kills that matter. And you need to do those in order to increase your timer, in order to reach the count. Da 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 da. Those are actually quite interesting because they do force you to play in different styles. My only problem with those little challenges is it's like three arenas they take place in, and it's like there's plenty of combat arenas over the like, over the main in levels, the but for some yeah. reason for these little challenges they only ever pick the same three over and over again. Oh, okay. It's it's an odd choice. I don't know why they did that. Um, uh, are, are they exactly as they appear in the main game, or are they yeah, they're they're, they're 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 pretty much just air. Well. Yeah, I think they are just areas you you encounter in the main game, and uh, mm. actually, I'm not so sure about that. Two of them might be. One of them definitely is, but uh, I can't really remember where the other two turned up in the in the main levels. Um, yeah, so that's a bit of a that's a bit of a shame. They could have done a little more there, and also like the 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 music. While I think it's very good, like all of them or the actual sort of playing of the instruments is done by an in-house team. Um, so it's, uh, well, I say the, the the lead artist is is Two Feathers and they, uh, uh, yeah, and so basically all of the like <laughs> actual guitars and drums and all the, all the cool stuff is, uh, is, 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 is produced, I guess, by the same team. So the game has a very, despite being a music game, it ends up having quite a, similar feel throughout and it's like that should probably be surprising no one i suppose it's metal the mm. whole game is metal but even within that genre there's a very similar sound across the entire soundtrack um that's occasionally mixed up by like the fact that every level has a different guest singer or um enjoying in it and including a particularly wild performance by Serge Tankian of System of a Down in the final level which is excellent. oh cool and it's, it's nice. worth getting to um <laughs> 
Yeah, I bet that sounds awesome. Uh, and it, it, it's, it's a shame that that last level is pretty much entirely a boss fight as well, because the boss fights might be the weakest element of the oh, combat. Okay. And I think I mentioned that last time, but um, uh, it's just because they end up having projectile patterns and things like that that you can't really see how you're supposed to avoid them very clearly. Mm. It's sure. a problem. It's a problem of like just trying to do too much in first person, I guess. Um, that's just a little too much that it's not clear. Um, but it's still a great time. I still I still enjoyed the heck out of this thing. And as I say, the music is dope. So it's um, it's pipe dope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> dope ass. So yeah, Metal Hill Singer, recommend. Uh, and the other things I've got to talk about are things that I've only really touched on like very briefly. So... Uh, cool. Loam and I have spent about an hour and a half with Immortality, which is Sam Barlow's latest FMV game. And uh, I'm going to confess... the previous ones? Oh, uh, Her Story and Telling Lies. So, right, okay. Uh, and I'm going to make a confession. I wasn't really intending on playing this, but Noam had, had one of those evenings where he was like, well, should we do something? And I'm like, okay, well, what does that entail? If we're not watching telly yeah. and we're actually going to do something, what does that actually mean? You don't really play games. Oh, I know. There's this, there's this game that might be up your street because it's about manipulating film i guess and hmm. uh yeah she immediately didn't really understand the core concept because it's because i don't think the game does a very good job of making a first impression so hmm. the whole shtick with uh with Im- immortality is that it follows the failed career of uh fictional actress marissa marcel uh, and the three movies she uh, made, but they were never released. And so a cachet of footage has recently been discovered and that this, uh, and that immortality is actually a sort of ar- piece of arca- archival software to help you explore her career. And that's how it's presented. It's oh, not presented okay. as a game or anything like that. Or, weird, weird. Uh, or it doesn't really tell you anything about what you're looking for or why these films weren't released or anything. It just literally said, it gives you a tutorial on like, here's how you manipulate the footage. Here's, you can scrub from the video. Three, three films that were never released. Well, you get like little clips. You don't like get the whole films. You get like these little segments of footage and it's, uh, and it starts off with quite a small list, I suppose, which we confused us at first actually, because the tutorial seems to show a whole bucket load of footage. And then that footage seems to go like in the middle of the tutorial. Like, okay, what just happened? I thought we had access to all this. Oh, I guess that was the tutorial set showing us. We, there was all this stuff to find, mm. but I, I think the tutorial is naff. Like it's kind of like, kind of badly done and like it's there so it's just something but the controls were finicky enough that gnome couldn't really i mean she's not a he you know she's not a, a regular game player i suppose but they were finicky enough that she couldn't really wrap her mind around using them that well and it's um, mm, mm. Uh, uh like personally i don't i don't think they're very complex but they, they're just just outside the realms of of yeah a normie i suppose using them uh uh, correctly, uh, and the, the 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 main trick I suppose this game has, and the way you discover more footage, is that you can freeze frame it at any point, and you can uh, basically your your cursor turns into a little eyeball, and certain things will actually light up the eye, and uh, you can click on those, and then it will 
through something I think they call concordance, it will find something in another scene that is similar to the thing you clicked on. So if you click on someone's cup, for instance, it will find a scene with another cup in um, and zoom in and use that to link things together. Like if you find a key, for instance, you can click on that key and it will take you to another bit of footage where a key is in it and stuff like that. Um, uh, and, and I guess the, the idea is you're supposed to traverse these links and by traversing these links, you're unlocking more footage. And I guess eventually a story or some sort of understanding on something <laughs> will it will materialize. Right, and but you haven't quite We haven't pieced together what, anything. We, okay. We have discovered a few things. Okay. We have discovered where the game effectively goes outside the realms of those mechanics that I just described. Right, so it starts to break out of meta. Yeah, there's, there is something else going on, and I won't spoil what that is. No. Or they were, but honestly, I don't like it's. It would be hard for me to spoil because I don't understand why that is yet. <laughs> mm. um, we, we, and we don't understand, like from the footage we've seen, or perhaps with the footage we shouldn't have seen. There is there's some uh, there's some other things going on, uh, and we don't fully understand it. And uh, uh, yeah, so we we don't know. We're, we're we're early in. Apparently, this game is technically finishable in only a few hours. Apparently, depending on what path you take, but it's a it's a the, yeah. The question is is like how do you find and take that path? It's um and what the hell is it about? <laughs> I don't know at this point. Anyway, I'm kind of intrigued. I think Gnome is less so. I think she found okay. found it a little bit. The lack of direction just didn't draw her in. And as I say, like first impressions are important, and I think it, this makes a bad one. Um, mm. And I would kind of agree with uh, some other outlets' opinions that it's there are scenes that are supposed to be like behind the scenes type stuff. Like so, there's some footage, for instance, of table reads for the for one of the films, and it's like. I find those quite unbelievable because the acting isn't quite there, or I should say, like the acting isn't consistently there. Some characters seem better than others. Mm. There's a Hitchcock-like figure who just seems totally cheesy, <laughs> like oh, really, right. really like, like yeah, like like just, just chewing the scenery kind of kind of acting, and it's like mm, right, yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling this, and there's. And we found quite a lot of this table read footage at the moment, and that's like it's quite boring listening to the table reader thing. We're like, okay, what were you supposed to have learned from this? Because <laughs> it's just it's just them doing a table read of the of the films, uh, and sometimes you can find the actual footage that that covers. Um, right? Is there nothing different between the table read and the the actual final film? Not particularly, the... or at least not that mm. we've discovered or noticed just yet. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds sort of intriguing, but it's a shame it. It's yeah, not, it doesn't. It doesn't sort of do itself justice. Like maybe no, and maybe uh, maybe uh, other stuff will all reveal itself as we go. But it's um, are you going to carry on with no? I think I'd like to, but it depends whether mm. Gnome wants to at this point. So that might delay Fair. me proceeding. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm still in the uh, yeah. I'm still in the the phase where it's it's intriguing enough, but I think even I will, might have a limit. But we'll, we'll see. Anyway, that's immortality. Um, uh, and the other thing I've only dipped my toes into briefly was because I needed something a little more low-key to play uh, on a couple of evenings that wasn't 
I don't know, Splatoon or Hellsinger or stuff that's going to absolutely batter me over the head with bright colours or heavy beats. Um, and I haven't really got one of those on the go at the moment other than Nomenai starting Immortality. So I started <coughs> playing Two Point Canvas. Okay. Um, heads up, the PC Game Pass version is a little broken. <laughs> how, how could it possibly be broken? It's the same game. Mouse control is apparently a problem. Okay. So, like, I launched the game up and it immediately, like, presented me with controllers, like, prompts on screen. And I'm like, mm. yeah, it's not that. I'm just going to, like, play it with the mouse and keyboard. Of course I am. It's a PC game. Moved the mouse. Nothing happens. Like, I can't see a cursor or anything like that. The cursor is gone. So the only way I could get around this menu was to, after restarting it a few times, it's like, okay, no, this is this is clearly causing me a problem. Like, But then I noticed my, my controller was plugged in, so I was like, okay, fine, maybe I can get to the options. So I used my controller, got to the options, and there's an option in there that says, like, can, literally says, like, enable controller. And I'm like, well, I'll turn that off. And then the mouse and keyboard came back. Great. Oh, got, okay. Got, got working. Second time I launched the game... The same thing happened. It landed back in the menu with the controller options visible and me unable to move the mouse. But I've disabled the controller now, so I can't so actually move can't. around anything. Hmm. About four or five restart. Apparently, the only solution at the moment is to restart the game and hope. So about four or five restarts later, mouse and keyboard control came back. <laughs> um, uh, this may be limited to the Game Pass version of the game. Well, presumably. Um, it must be like... <coughs> it must be doing some weird, like, Microsoft backend where, where they've just, like, set it up wrong yeah. when they gave it to Microsoft or whatever. Perhaps, because it's also available on Xbox and stuff like yeah. that. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, and, and I just it's just occurred to me that the last time I played it, I forgot to turn the controller support back on. So, so in order, <laughs> so you're going to be boned again. I'm going to be boned again next time I try it, and I'll just have to reboot it over and over again until I can actually play it. They are aware. They're, 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 this is something that they know about, and I they're mean, trying to fix. A weird choice that they made, I guess, where it like where it does do such a hard toggle between them like, mm. that it can't have controller support turned on but then when you move a mouse it just takes over <laughs> I mean I bet that's how it's supposed to work but then it's just busted well maybe I mean that's how it oh, I, know, I can't say I ever tried but I think that's how it worked in two point hospital because that eventually gained controller support on PC mm. um, uh, yeah but anywho two, when I actually got to play it uh very similar vibes to Two Point Hospital, as you might expect. Um, I'm, I'm going to start with the start with the immediate, which to me is the important question: is is the radio good? Yeah. Answer is yes. The radio is still good. Okay. And it's still Ricky Hawthorne, so it's still like the same radio station. Well, so they didn't go college radio like I surmised they might. Well, they may have done. There may be another show. There was. There were, there, I think there are. I think there is a new presenter that I came across, but like that, that it has to play through Ricky Hawthorne's show in order to get to the other person's like, right. like stuff. So there is a there is a new presenter, and they were like talking about. There was someone that be like, be like, here's my tips on how to learn shorthand, and it's like. Don't do it because it makes it worse. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, uh, you know, there was some studenty stuff in there, uh, but yeah, the radio is still good. I'll give you that. And although the mu- the music variety is a bit wider now 
than sort of like I don't know. I don't, don't even know how you describe it. The sort of lounge music, <laughs> hospital lounge jazz, I guess. Like it's mm. it's it's still a little bit got. It's still got that vibe, but they've expanded out into slightly different genres. So there'll be a bit more of a, like a guitar jam here, and uh, yeah, more just guitar jams, I guess. Actually, like sort of incidental music you might hear in the background of terrible American dramas, you know that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is all, yeah, like nice, nice and to the point. Um, gameplay is actually, I would say it's both similar and not at the same time. You're still having to like hire staff, give them a staff lounge, make sure they're they're happy and stuff like that. Build the rooms that they need to do their job. But it, the structure is a bit different because it actually follows like a campus schedule. So you're you 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 play everything in yearly time periods effectively you say this year i'm going to do these subjects and so you have to have the room set up and it actually gives you like there's a there's like a period of time that isn't time right between these years you can like set everything up um ahead of and then and then once you once you've built what you think you're going to need you can then click the start the school year um, right i see and then it then the timer starts and it'll start playing out um, and you'll get student, but you have to opt. You have to. That's the only point you get to opt in to courses, right? So you say, "I'm going to do Scientography, and I'm going to do yeah. Virtual Normality," which are the, like the two courses the first level starts you with. Um, uh, so, so you know what you're going to get into for that year, and then so you can't you can't really be surprised. I suppose is the thing. You can't. They can ask for like, "Oh, I need new facilities to do this and stuff," but within the scope of that course, you're not going to get surprised by. Oh, someone's broken their leg. Now you need a fracture clinic, like you do in the hospital games. Um, mm. Like I said, I'm super early in this. Like I've only, I've, I've only played it for like a couple hours, and uh, so I haven't really necessarily got the full scope of exactly how to manage this and how it's different. But it's showing me there are things different already, like little subtleties here and there. Like, uh, does it still have a completely garbage decor system? <laughs> I mean, probably even worse so far because <laughs> I think that there's a lot less stuff unlocked at the start. Even less than they're already Even lost. less, yeah. So, like... So it, spam some posters. So everything is tied to the kudosh system, yeah. as usual. So you still have to, like... Well, I mean, I don't think I've even got posters. Like, the only thing... The only bit of, like, wall decor I have is a, thing, is a sign that says, I love TP. Okay. Standing for, standing for two point, obviously. I don't know what you mm-hmm. were thinking of. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, unless you plaster that all over the bathroom. I mean, you could. <laughs> you, you could absolutely plaster the bathroom with I Love TV. Um, uh, yeah, so you, but you have to build like... There's like two sides to it now as well. You have to build... You don't just build a staff room. You build student lounge and you have to build like student dorms and and mm. uh, the shower blocks for them. So you've got, it's like dealing with two completely separate sets of staff. If right. you were to think of it that way, students so, and faculty, yeah. yeah, with with different requirements. Um, to, well, to a point, there's some overlap, obviously. Um, so yeah, I think it's gonna. It, yeah, I think it's well, and also you can build outside now. There's like, oh, okay, cool. so it's not just limited to like buildings like you were in Two Point Hospital and I guess most sim games. You can you can you can now actually just build. In the grounds, there's like a whole separate section. You can't just like build a classroom outside, as far as I can tell. But maybe there are some things where you that maybe that is a thing um, later on. Um, well, you so, can so have when some you, kind of teaching going on outside, even if it's yeah, I wonder. Conventional. Yeah, if we'll get there because like you can like when you buy a plot of land now, you can choose to either fill it with a building like you would traditional style, and it'll just build like a 
you know, a, a blank slate um, section of building for you to stuff. Or you can say, oh, I actually don't. I want this as an outside area. Um, presumably to later build courts and sports facilities and stuff like that. Um, anywho. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have more on that. Well, I say I'll have more on that. Like Bayonetta 3 just came out. Yep. And, I, and, <laughs> right, I, and, like, yeah. and like I've the got a copy one. of that. So it's like... I might be a bit distracted, but then again, it's another one of those games that's going to bat me around the head and like throw <laughs> throw my senses around a bit. So that's true. You might want something a bit. I might need something sedate. a little more casual. Yeah, yeah. Come back to a bit of two point campus. That's if I can tear myself away from playing Salmon Run, which I'm <laughs> still doing way more of than I ever expected to. How is that? I mean, it's the same. It still hasn't changed. Yeah, they the still haven't done okay. the first big server run event, have they? No, we still haven't had a big run. Um, they did some balance patches recently, which supposedly uh, reduces latency by a tiny, tiny amount, <laughs> like a fraction of a millisecond or something. Uh, 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 and also, in theory, improved connectivity a little bit. I guess the one thing like that's been cool about Salmon Run recently, there's been a couple of days where they've had like the, the mystery weapon sets runs right. which are probably my favorite where it's like it's not a fixed four weapons you're going to get over the course of the run it's it could be anything like it's a hundred percent random and occasionally they'll throw in a grisco special weapon yeah which behaves in a crazy way um I, I don't know if they had it before but my favorite one so far has been the grizz blaster because it just it just it's like a machine gun of blaster shots so they're like expl- <laughs> but they don't travel very far and they explode right in front of your face but it just means you're a wall of death mm. you just sort of stand in front of stuff and go blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's great um and i'm always slightly dreading getting any kind of gatling gun in that thing because it's like oh god that means i could have a period of time where i just have to stand here and charge and it's like no, if i'm in trouble i'm in trouble um yeah anyway I'm playing that way more than anything else. I don't know. I don't know why. It's not like I don't enjoy Turf War or I've even dabbled in the ranked modes. Um, I'm trying to get back into that. But Salmon Run seems to be always what I want to do. Uh, Further cementing the fact that it's the most underappreciated mode as as it stands right Mm. now. Give me an... Oh, and I think as I said before, I, I... bloody hate the economy of what they've done with the salmon run scales that you can only earn off kohozuna like <laughs> so slow like how does that work so when you get the king salmon so mm. uh after every run you do in salmon run this little meter builds up that's like the sure. probability of you encountering the king salmon mm-hmm. um uh and that happens as an extra wave once you've completed the normal three waves um or might happen you then enter that massive boss fight da 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 uh, and as a result of that, you get you earn a special currency. You earn scales um, off the king salmon. Defeating the king salmon. Uh, okay. Not even for defeating, just for taking part. You'll learn some stuff. Um, okay. Mainly because, as I said before, defeating that thing is next to impossible at the hard. It's right. so it's okay. so hard. Um, especially at the difficulty level, I guess I've reached for normal runs. Um, but yeah, like uh, so. It creates a bit of a problem in that there's a whole store in which you can like buy Grizzco branded stuff, um, but you use the scales to buy it. But those are eked out so slowly 
like uh, I, I don't know my most recent run they, they also separated into bronze silver and gold scales as well uh, oh man and so my last run where we nearly defeated the thing um, and I'm at quite a high difficulty level and we nearly defeated it um, and it only gave me eight bronze scales I didn't get oh. any silvers I didn't get any golds and I've only, to put that into context, out of all the Salmon Run I've been playing, which is quite a lot, I've only managed to un, I've only just managed to unlock something that costs 10 silver scales. Oh man. It's, it's crazy slow. And the fact that you can't fight the King Salmon and Salmon all that often because of the yeah, probability of the meter you have to yeah. build up, it's, uh, it's an effort. And so have I, you managed to buy anything with the scales yet? No. I've bought like a single sticker for my pointless locker, I think, oh, and uh, and and a different color for my uh, suit that you wear during salmon run things. And that is it. That's all I've been able to afford so far. Um because yeah, it's it's stupid. And also that like as it turns out that store like if you want there's a whole bunch of question marks in that store as well but if you click on them it outright says oh you need to spend more scales at the store in order to unlock this stuff you're not quite ready for it yet and it's like well i'd like to (laughs) just can't bloody earn them quick enough Mm. like and i wonder if this is where the big run comes in right maybe the big run is like 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 they used to do with the snails where you just get a bunch you get a bunch at splatfest yeah like maybe the big run will be like oh here's your opportunity to earn some scales um, it's a weird system. I don't know. I feel it feels kind of wrong. Give Salmon Run some love, Nintendo. Come on, it's a good thing. Anyway, uh, they haven't learned now. Are they going to learn? <laughs> I guess they brought it back. That was a it's, it's strange because it's like the rest of the game. Like you're earning enough money to. I've basically bought everything every item in the game now for like the normal clothing and the normal fashion stuff i pretty much own everything now other than the stuff that is splat net limited because there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can only get by using the app right yeah um uh and that's done in the and even that's limited because it's done using the merch system so you have to order a piece of gear from the app which you can only do one bit of gear of at a time. So, but then the store on the on the app rotates every now and then. So you're yeah, you're, the way you can buy stuff through that is limited. Anyway, I haven't done that stuff because I've only recently sort of reminded myself that that exists. Um, so yeah, but like you can you can buy everything there is to buy pretty much in the game pretty quickly. Like in terms of the fashion, like the the random stuff for your locker is quite expensive. So. Mm. Uh, yeah, I've got barely none of that, but I don't care because it's random crap for your locker, and who cares? Um, so yeah, it feels it feels at a weirdly different pace to the rest of the game. And I'm not saying slow down the rest of the game either. <laughs> I'm saying make this quicker. Yeah. Actually, maybe you need to slow down the rest of the game because, as I say, I've got everything already. <laughs> it's like I'm out, I'm out of stuff to get. Except for scales. Except <laughs> Gold for scales. scales. Yeah. Mm. And whatever those question marks are. Stream. Still, we've got a Pokemon-themed Splatfest coming up soon. Really? <laughs> yep. They're doing it. I think it's the first time like there's been a proper crossover. Well, you call it a proper crossover. <laughs> it's not it. really a crossover at all. Yeah. I don't it might not be, but yeah. It's like so it's like the three teams. They're like conveniently, what's your starter Pokemon? Ah. 
from the original game. No, it'll be from well, the new one. The new one. Actually, from any of them, because it's only fire, water, ice. But uh, they showed, not water, but ice. They showed the outgrounds of what the new ones Yes, they showed the new ones in there. But, yeah. but the swell starters are always fire, water, and grass, so it doesn't but, matter. Yeah. They're only yeah. asking you what, what type you are. Yeah, I suppose. But it depends on the game, right? Because I, I don't pick based on type. I pick on, like, which one's the... Cuteness. Yeah, yeah. either cuteness or stupidness. <laughs> which, is the, which is the most mad thing to well, look at. I mean, no one really picks type, at least on the, like, first playthrough. Because <laughs> you don't know what one's actually going to be useful. Because in, like, the original game, if you pick hard mode, is fire. Because, like, the first gym is rock, and then you're screwed. And the second gym is yeah. water. Yeah, which is what I did. Uh, yeah, I, I totally picked fire. Yeah. yeah, I wanted that Charmander. Yeah. Yeah, but then that's that's it. that's you get screwed by picking the cool one in that game. <laughs> mm. Whereas in the other in other games, you might think that grass is easy mode, but it's not. <laughs> Except grass is mostly always easy mode. Mm. But that's more to do with just general type matchups rather than specifically done mm. that way. I think is grass more su- just more successful. Yeah, you, just I think it just has better matchups in general. In general, yeah. And then the, the once they introduced dual typing, that all shifted around again. Although I guess most What's of the grass time, weak against again. Uh, fire, fire, yeah. bug. Yeah. Um, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> I don't remember any of the other ones. Fire bugs. Probably are fire bugs, right? Well, yeah. The dual type. There's yeah. dual types. Mostly everything now. By this point, mostly. There's still a few few that they haven't done yet. <laughs> Did they wreck on the old Pokemon to be dual type? Uh, I don't remember. Well, there were, there I think they might changed. have done. Yeah, I think there are a few that changed. Because a lot of even a lot of the newer starters are, are only dual type by their final evolution. Like, right. So they still only have single type to start with. Anyway, I'll be all over that oh. Splatfest. Hopefully, I'll get into some tricolor battles. <laughs> yeah, time. maybe. Hopefully, they fix that. And that'll be me. Mm. Oh, I did actually go and finish off the last mission of Dirt Five. <laughs> right. I haven't, oh. fin- I haven't finished any everything in that campaign, but again, I wanted something quick, like pick up and just play. And it was just happens to still be installed on my Xbox, so it's like, oh, I might as well do this. And you managed to get back into it without any trouble. It's a, it's a, it's an like I said, it's not really a proper rally game. It's not a proper dirt game. It's more of an arcade. Well, racer. sure, but it's still the last mission. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that hard actually. It was, it was like the others, the other, like some of the others were a lot harder than that. could go and finish the rest of it but i don't know <laughs> for as long as it stays installed on my xbox i suppose maybe, yep. maybe i'll do it eventually cool um i don't think i've got anything except for we play i we're making a video of disco elysium so that will eventually go up on the uh on our youtube channel uh, uh, among many others uh, possibly some emulation stuff in the in the future, uh, based on that chat just now. But uh, uh, that will be a, a, an just, upcoming uh, one. Just opening some doors for future work. Yeah, That's all. opening some doors. Yeah, so that will be. So look forward to that. And uh, I guess this has been a 
relatively uh, concise podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, I hope relatively. you enjoyed it. Yeah, not bad. We're on time. So uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another podcast. Catch you then. Bye. Bye.